Let me invite the rest of us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I want us to really zero in on just two verses this morning. I referenced them two weeks ago as we started this series. They're printed there in your bulletin as well if you need them. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let me read them for us. This is God's Word. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love And good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray, ask for God's help. Lord, my desire is to preach this morning in a way that is helpful to this church and glorifying to you. So help me, I pray. And help us, each one of us, as we listen. My desire, Lord, is that you would impart hope and joy to your people through your word this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in this series that we've titled, Why We Gather. And so far, we've seen two answers to that question that are presented in God's Word. First, and I think most importantly, we gather to hear from God together. And second, we saw this last week, we gather to speak to God Together, We come with words with us. We bring words with us for God. Words of thanksgiving, words of praise. That's what we've seen so far. And our focus has been on this vertical relationship. God speaking to us, us speaking to God. And I don't know if any of you feel this. I really don't. But I wonder... If as we've been talking over these past two weeks, if you have found yourself maybe thinking, you know, that's kind of lofty and sacred stuff. God speaking to us. And us speaking to God. That feels kind of lofty. And don't misunderstand me, Pastor. I hear you. And I want to hear from God. I come for that. And I want to speak to God. I want to join my voice with the rest of the congregation. I come for that as well. But there is something else I feel my heart longing for. I also feel a need in me for something a bit more down here. Something horizontal. Yes, I love God, and I can feel my heart go there. But I'm also made for some contact 
and interaction with people. And there's a sense in me that that's really important as well. Yes, we belong to God, but we belong to one another too, don't we? So don't we gather for one another somehow? And the answer to that question, of course, is yes, we do. I think about what Jesus said when he was asked, remember on that occasion when someone came to him and said, what what is the first and the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the first and the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So built right into the very heart of Christianity is this combination of the vertical and the horizontal. You know, sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking that our gathering together on Sunday mornings is exclusively about our worshiping God and hearing from God. And the truth is that there is something about us coming together that helps us do those things. We come to hear God together, and our being together helps us to do that. We come to speak to God together, and our being together helps us to do that, but there's also this more direct, horizontal effect. Listen very carefully to these verses once again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want you to see something very important that is happening in those verses. The writer of Hebrews is setting forth this this very clear contrast. He begins by saying, listen, here's something I want you to do. Stir one another up. Here's something I don't want you to do. Neglect your gathering together. And then he follows that by saying, instead, here's something I want you to do. And he says it in different words. Encourage one another. Do this. Don't do this do this, and we can see by what surrounds that middle negative thing that the opposite of neglecting to meet together is not just physically being in the room, but coming together to stir one another up and to encourage one another. So why do we gather? Yes, to hear from God together. Yes, to speak to God together, but also to encourage one another. Our gathering together can have that effect, and God wants it to have this effect. When we gather here, when we gather in our gospel communities during the week, I mean, that is another major way that we experience this opportunity that we have to to speak to one another, to encourage one another, this stirring up of one another. But the writer here is speaking of this weekly coming together as a church on the Lord's Day, and God intends that to be a thing of encouragement, a time of encouraging one another. And let me ask you, who wouldn't want that? I mean, who of us... I'm almost tempted to have a show of hands here. Who of us has not had the experience of walking away from some interaction and feeling, man, that was encouraging. I feel built up by that. 
I mean, who would not want to have someone speak to them in such a way that they felt built up, encouraged, refreshed, restored a little bit? I mean, we all need this, right? We are all weak. We are all prone to sin in multiple ways. We are all susceptible to unbelief. We're all susceptible to discouragement. Or is it just me? That's prone to all of those things, like every week. Living the Christian life is challenging. We need encouragement. I remember hearing someone say to me many years ago, just these, these simple little words, be kind, nearly everyone is carrying a heavy burden. We need encouragement. S. Truett Cathy, anybody recognize that name? the founder of Chick-fil-A, he once made this statement. How can you tell if someone needs encouragement? They're breathing. (laughs) We all need encouragement, all of us. And another thing, not only do we need encouragement, but there's a lot at stake. Did you notice how this little passage ends, verse 25? Don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that? Well, it's the day that Jesus returns. The writers of the New Testament regularly speak this way, referring to that future event as the day, that day. At one point, Jesus said to his disciples, listen, as time goes on and that day gets closer, here's what he said, many false prophets will arise and they will lead many astray, and because wickedness is multiplied, the love of many will grow cold. That's why we need to encourage one another. That's why we need to take this word of Hebrews chapter 10 very seriously. Listen, if we're going to be faithful in our following of Jesus, if we're going to be faithful in our obedience, if we're going to be faithful in our belief, we need to regularly gather with one another so that we can encourage each other. And you say, all right, I see the point. It's clear. But now let's ask the question, how do we do that? Notice how the passage starts. Let's consider how we do this. Let's think about this, how we might actually encourage one another. Given how we're made, with this not just verticalness, but this horizontalness to our makeup as humans, and especially given the fact that our lives are short and there's a lot at stake, how do we do this? Well, I want to suggest some ways that we do this this morning. I've drawn these right from God's Word. First, we begin by simply being aware of each other. Let's take notice of each other and care about one another. This encouraging one another starts with making sure we're aware of others so that we can care about others. You know, there's this very direct and pretty sobering moment in Paul's first letter to the new young church in the city of Corinth. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just read a little bit of this for you. And while I'm reading, listen for what is distressing to Paul and for what he so desperately wants for these Christians to be true of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he writes, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. 
Because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worst. I hear there are divisions among you. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Later in that same chapter, he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. I mean, here is Paul talking about this very precious, very important thing that we are called to do when we gather together. Observe the Lord's Supper together. But in these verses, his teaching is not so much about the nature of that observance as it is about how they're doing it. And what's happening there in the church because they were not taking notice of one another and caring for one another. Instead, this self-focus, this sinful preoccupation with themselves was what was ruling. We've got to see each other. We've got to think about each other. We can't just be occupied with our own concerns and with our own experience. God calls us to this as we gather. Honor one another. Welcome one another. Greet one another. Friends, do not underestimate the power of a greeting. Wait for one another. Rejoice with one another. Weep with one another. How are you going to do that if we don't take notice of one another? So first, let's be aware. Let's take notice of one another so we can care about each other. Second, let's speak words to strengthen each other. Let's speak words to strengthen each other. That word, encouragement, or encourage, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that's what that word is getting at. It means actually coming alongside somebody and speaking to them so as to provide something for them, something that they need. I've shared this with you before many times. I think it bears repeating. Biblically speaking, encouragement is not just saying nice things to another person. It's not anything like flattery. Biblically speaking, encouragement is speaking in such a way that something is provided, something is imparted, something is deposited in that person. Like courage, you are encouraging them. Strength, you're strengthening them. Faith put in them, hope put in them, comfort. It's, it's like adrenaline. We stop and think about how God has designed our bodies. He's designed our bodies to produce, to supply Adrenaline, when there is a need in the face of some physical challenge, your body does this. Well, what adrenaline does chemically, physiologically for our bodies, encouragement does emotionally and psychologically for our inner beings. And the book of Proverbs, by the way, loves talking about that. Encouragement strengthens. Encouragement gladdens the heart. Encouragement sweetens the spirit. Encouragement enlivens. So... Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's Paul's word, by the way, to the Thessalonians. But as your pastor, I want to say those words to you, and I think they apply. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You're doing this 
let's keep doing this. It's part of why we gather together. Now, obviously, you can't, you can't speak to everybody here on Sunday morning. That's not the point. The point here is that there can and should be a culture of encouragement so that people are being encouraged and cared for. No, you can't speak to everybody, but you can speak words of encouragement to somebody. And if we're all gathering together and we see this as a reason why we gather and we humbly enter into this Hebrews 10.25 kind of thing, God will see to it that it gets spread out. And we will all benefit and we'll all be strengthened. So every week, every Sunday morning, every time you gather with your gospel community, look for an opportunity to speak words, to strengthen somebody. Listen, the Holy Spirit is eager to be active in this room before and after the service. Here, in the lobby, in the halls, in the parking lot. Probably more in summertime than in wintertime. So first, let's take notice of each other. Second, let's speak words to strengthen each other. And third, let's actively minister God's grace to each other. There is a just beautiful passage in the book of 1 Peter that I'm drawing from for this point. Just listen. This is 1 Peter chapter 4. He starts out this little passage by saying, the end of all things is at hand. that interesting? Same point. The day is drawing near. Something is at stake here. Therefore, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Do you hear that in verse 10 there? Each one, each one has been gifted by God, has been gifted to serve God's grace to others. I think that's amazing. God equips each one of us and then enables each one of us, empowers us to deliver various forms of his grace. So as we purposely move toward one another, and as we love one another, as there is some gracious intention in our hearts, some desire to minister through our words or through our serving, God uses that to bring grace. His grace into somebody's life. Now it's his grace, not ours, but he uses us. What a privilege. So Crossway, actively minister to each other in all sorts of ways, knowing that in that and through that, God is pouring grace, much-needed grace, into people's lives. Well, I want to kind of end this morning with three points of concrete practice. If this is going to happen when we gather, that we actually encourage one another together. Certain things will need to be in place. Let me just briefly mention three of them. First, you've got to be present. You cannot do this if you're not here. God intends some very important things to happen when we come together 
and they are for our good. They're for our life. They're for our joy. You know, each week we're putting together these application questions that are posted on the website. And this week, question number one is, when you read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, does it feel more to you like legalistic demand or God's gracious provision? See, God intends goodness for us. So being here is not some duty... No, it's an expression of your trust in God's goodness. And, and it's an expression of your deep and heartfelt commitment to this body. So on Sunday mornings, when you're shaving, men, or you're eating breakfast, all of us, or you're getting the kids ready, probably more moms than dads, here's what should be going through your mind. I'm going to be with my church family. Because I am committed to this body that God has put me in and he's made me a part of. This is my church. And I know God has good for me there. You know, I find that little phrase in verse 25 so intriguing. That phrase, don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together as is the habit of some. I mean, even before organized sports, think about this, even before 60-hour work weeks, even before late-night TV and Netflix that keeps us up way too late on Saturday nights, people were still in the habit of neglecting meeting together in the body, which tells us the issue is deeper than just some cultural things. It's a matter of the heart. Listen, being here is the most fundamental way to show commitment to the body. There's something encouraging in itself about knowing a brother or a sister is simply going to be there. When you're not here, we miss you. The body feels it. And you might think no one notices, but I tell you, it matters if you're not here. And the reason it matters is this. This can't happen. Your part won't get done, and you won't get what God has for you. Now, the truth of the matter is, it does require a certain posture. There's nothing magical that happens when you walk in those doors, just kind of being in the room. We all know it's possible to just come and go through the motions. There's a posture needed. I got an email this past week. I really appreciated the honesty and the humility of this email. He was interacting with me about some other things, and then at the end of his email, he says, one more thought. After the sermon on Sunday, I wanted to share a strong conviction that I had in my heart. We do come together on Sunday to hear from God, and we do come together to speak to God through our prayers and worship. But for me, there's one more key ingredient that I must have if I am to trust that God is sovereign, I must have an open heart to what he has in store for me at our worship service. If my heart is open and ready to hear from God, it is a wonderful time of conviction and growth and joy. I never walk away feeling empty. But the opposite is also true. If I come to church with a hard heart, angry, or emotionally shut down, I get nothing out of church. I have a consumer mentality, and I am frustrated that I leave empty. The truth is that it's my fault for not getting something out of the service, not God's. And then he ends, had to share that. It's true, right? 
And, and listen, the very same thing applies when it comes to our being ready to enter into engagement with one another. If our hearts are off, we're going to miss out. So, first word of concrete practice, you've got to be here in a good frame of heart. You know, I can be tempted at times to be way too diplomatic as your pastor and not speak boldly and urgently enough, but friends, this really matters. It matters to you. It matters to this body. So don't miss out on what God has for us by not being here. Your physical presence here, your being here singing with all your heart to God, your being here listening with all your heart to God, it matters. It's encouraging to say nothing about what your purposeful engagement with others might do. Second, I'll be very brief with number two and number three. Second, be willing to share your own experience of God's goodness with others. Be willing to share your own experience of God's goodness in your life with other people. I think God uses that. In fact, I know God uses that. Last week, out in the lobby, a member of this church shared with me how God had brought some things together for her that previous week. Her her eyes were just bright. Her countenance was full of joy. Her voice was full of excitement. She was so eager to share this with me. And when that interchange was over, I was so encouraged just hearing what she shared. And it's the reason I make this point this morning. Share with each other what God has done. Now, don't make stuff up. You don't have to. And don't come off kind of like, look at me, how special I am. But I tell you, there is something encouraging about hearing someone share something they are grateful to God about. Now, third, and hopefully this will serve as a good summary point. Let's not be afraid to speak words specifically to each other. Again, don't force stuff. But also, let's not just leave that to chance. Let's be purposeful. If there is an opportunity to express gratitude or appreciation or encouragement, don't miss it. God intends good things to happen when we come together. So I'm convinced we don't need to force anything if we're ready to simply respond to God's prompting and step into those little moments. If we do that, there will be a God-pleasing and church-strengthening amount of encouragement happening here. So Crossway, brothers and sisters in Christ, if there is any encouragement in Christ. Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. I'm quoting from Paul once again here, and I'm applying it to us. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, let us not be afraid to speak words to one another. It's one of the reasons God calls us to gather together. And I guarantee you, if you take this seriously, there will never be a dull or insignificant Sunday morning for the rest of your life. Even if the sermon is kind of, even if the worship team is just off, and Steve Moore's guitar is like way out of tune. (laughs) 
Did you say that? Here's why. Because every Sunday, God will be at work among us. He'll be doing the encouraging and the strengthening and using us. So let us consider how to do this. Let's give ourselves to taking this little portion of God's Word seriously. Let's not waste or minimize our Sunday mornings. Let's gather together week by week and encourage one another. And let's faithfully keep doing that until Jesus comes. Amen. Steve, come and lead us.